I've been doing some self-reflection on this Monday Punday. You know, I love my job as host of The Inner Life, but if something ever happened that I wasn't able to continue hosting the show and I had to seek out a different career path, I think I'd like a job cleaning mirrors. It's something I can really see myself doing. Helping you grow deeper on your spiritual journey. Welcome to The Inner Life with Patrick Conley. Welcome to The Inner Life, where each day at 11 o'clock Central, we take an hour to give you a bit of encouragement and inspiration, maybe a little bit of humor, for living out your faith today. Thanks for joining us. I'm Patrick Conley. You know, Jesus is often identified by people in the world today as a good teacher. I'm not sure where exactly that idea comes from, but I'm guessing it's from a vague familiarity with some of Jesus's words that, on the surface at least, sound reasonable and generally good for life. I'm thinking of things like love God, love your neighbor, do unto others as you would have them do unto you, and things like that. But a good friend of mine and I were talking the other day, and he was sharing about an ongoing conversation he's having with someone from the Far East who isn't a Christian. My friend said that one particular teaching of Jesus struck his conversation partner as unwise, if not altogether ludicrous, seriously calling into question the very idea that Jesus was a good teacher. What was that teaching? It was Jesus' instruction to love your enemies. This commandment just did not compute My buddy's friend could not comprehend how it made any sense to offer love to someone who you knew was your enemy. And indeed, this teaching grinds against intuition as much today as it did, I'm sure, to his original hearers. Nonetheless, it's right there in Matthew's Gospel and the Sermon on the Mount. Love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Today, here on the program, we're going to explore this radical teaching of Jesus, what it means, and significantly, how to live it out. Guiding our discussion today is our spiritual director, Father Brian Fallon, a priest of the Archdiocese of St. Louis and pastor of the Church of the Magdalene there in St. Louis. Uh, Wash you. Yeah, very good. Sorry. Um, (laughs) You need to update your bio, I think, Father. Well, anyway, Father Fallon, happy Monday to you. Welcome back to the show. Thanks, Patrick. I don't know where I am either, so it's all good. <laughs> okay, very good. All right, yeah, we'll we'll get that updated for next time. But great, grateful that you're with us today and to talk about this. I mean, this is a, a radical teaching of Jesus, Father. I mean, uh, I'm not wrong in thinking that the original hearers would have would it would have graded against what they were thinking as well, wouldn't it have? Oh yeah, grates against my ears and the people that. Aren't even my enemies? They're just people that maybe I don't get along with. It's it's hard to love them when we're going at it or we have some disputes. Some of them I'm related to. It's difficult yeah, stuff. Right, it is. It's very difficult stuff. So, um, what I mean, this falls within the context of the Sermon on the Mount, where Jesus is obviously he's offering a lot of uh, well expansion of and deepening of the law of God that uh, ancient Israelites would have known uh, from what we now know as the Old Testament, from the Hebrew Scriptures, right? The Ten Commandments and and all the the, uh, things that were taught there in the Old Law. And uh, does this particular, I mean, it seems to fall in line with those where it is, Jesus is taking it to a whole new level here on many of these, uh, in many of these ways. 
Amen. Yeah, he says that I have not come to abolish the law, but to fulfill the law. And so this understanding, this Old Testament uh, understanding of the law, which served some purpose for a time, uh, is one that is uh, going to be completely fulfilled in Jesus's way of living, in the way that he comes to save us from this antiquated notion of justice. He is the just God. He's the one that teaches us the new path. Mm-hmm. And in and, and that sense, it's really a statement about uh, that really lifts Jesus, too, to a, to a whole new level. If he's come to fulfill the law, he's not just come to fulfill the Old Testament law that all the ancient Israelites are familiar with, but even these radical statements, right? I mean, he is the one, most obviously on the cross, who is there to love his enemies. Yeah, the eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth uh, notion uh, comes from the Babylonian ruler Hammurabi, his code. Mm. And so this was something that was culturally appropriated by uh, the Jewish tradition. Uh, But Jesus says, no, as I offer freely myself on the cross for you, I don't want there to be these warring factions. I don't want there to be this division. I want you to be like me. And as we see him uh, falsely accused and uh, silent among Pilate, willingly enduring all these things, why is he doing that? He's doing it for us, for our sake. Yeah, right. Well, I know we'll get into this, but it seems like the only way of really carrying this out um, to the degree that Jesus is suggesting that we do, maybe not suggesting, but commanding that we do, is in union with him and letting him work in and through us. I'm specifically focused in on one of the lines he offers earlier in, in that same sermon, in the Sermon on the Mount, when he's talking about this concept of loving our enemies He says, I say to you, offer no resistance to one who is evil. When someone strikes you on your right cheek, turn to the other one one to him as well. And I know that this has been um, talked about many times here on Relevant Radio, uh, not just here on The Inner Life, but people like Father Simon have offered offered interpretations of this as well. But um, what is Jesus exactly suggesting here in terms of offering no resistance to one who is evil? Yeah, the... There, everything that Jesus says needs to be, one, taken straight up for what it is, uh, but then also with the understanding that the tradition gives us of the church. Uh, so we, we can see great opposition uh, from evil, from enemies. Uh, we are not to uh, misunderstand Jesus. And yeah, if someone strikes you, uh, maybe slaps you, uh, yeah, you're not supposed to slap them back. Uh, we're supposed to offer no resistance. But then at the same time, if there are forces uh, that are waging uh, very difficult things against us, then we have to use our rational uh, thought and thinking. uh, What is an appropriate measure of uh, that resistance? And are there times where, if we're talking about war and nations, especially Mm. oppression of evil, uh, it gets a little bit more nuanced? You know, what if there was no resistance to the Axis versus the Allies in World War II? Right. Right. Or even, I mean, it is 9-11 today, right? I mean, it is uh, the 22nd anniversary of 9-11. And that's, uh, I think for me, actually, um, that was the first time in my in my life, in my 52 years of life, well, back then, uh, not quite so many, but um, in 2001, when I really encountered that America had um, an identifiable enemy um, as, a, as a country, and yet I still think in applying this teaching, there's something to be said, not necessarily on a, on a militaristic level, but on a personal level, 
that there's still ways that we should probably take Jesus' teaching to heart here, even in that uh, egregious sin against our country. Yeah, especially today, I I think it's an important day for us to be talking about this, because uh, after the devastation that we all experienced and the tremendous sense of loss, uh, some of us even knowing people that were in uh, those places of devastation and attack uh, throughout our country, then there came the anger. And, and what do we do with the anger? What, what's a just proportional response in this way? I think the gospel needs to be our guiding measure for this and Jesus' tr- teachings of truth. Uh, they need to be examined, uh, not just by any theologian, but uh, by all of us. Yeah. Well, certainly on a national level, there's, I mean, there's that, uh, that's that sense that even today um, we might carry with us. But certainly on a personal level as well, I think we all have... Uh, encounters and experiences where we can say that we've identified another individual as an enemy of our own who've done something wrong to us, that sort of thing, somebody who who confronts us or does some, again, some, some sort of injustice toward us. So what are some suggestions on, I mean, how do we live this out practically? What does it suggest for our actual response? Are we to remain responseless or what are we supposed to do in the face of someone wronging us? The word forgiveness uh, just even in the name of the word, if you're going to break it down, like there, there's something being given uh, to the person who has harmed us. And, and that's the hardest thing for me about forgiveness is that I maybe have done nothing wrong and yet have to take this step forward and give because Jesus teaches me that. He doesn't want me to do that alone, however. So what I'm giving that person, that enemy even, is Christ. And that costs quite a bit in terms of our pride or uh, maybe our sense of uh, security because it's not guaranteed that we won't be hurt again. Mm. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And there's, oh man, <laughs> I mean, this is <laughs> this is deep and and I, I just I keep using the word, but radical teaching that again it just it does go against our intuition. So there's there's obviously a modicum of restraint that we need to uh, we need to try to practice to put this into practice, right? Because if someone does strike me on my cheek, now it's been a long time since somebody actually did that, and you know, actually meaning it anyway. Um, but it's that my first instinct, my first response is, you know, I start reaching back to, to, uh, yeah, to return the favor as it were. Yeah. Uh, Barclay, William Barclay is a, uh, priest who does commentaries on, on this gospel. And he says that when Jesus is talking that the cultural offense, you know, you would slap someone with the, the flat part of your hand, but he yeah. says, even if they were to do the backside, which is even more offensive, even then uh, you are to offer no resistance. Uh, You are to remain calm. And so I think the way that we are to learn how to do this is from Jesus and from his example. And then in our prayer, uh, bringing that person, bringing that enemy before him, that foe, uh, and to recognize that Jesus wants to give us that confidence because we recognize that even though in this moment we're being hurt, uh, we're a people that's aiming for heaven. Hmm. Wow. Now, I, I would I would imagine that, of course, he begins the whole Sermon on the Mount with the Beatitudes, right? And um, the, the teaching that he gives there, blessed are the meek. I'm imagining meekness ties into this some way. Can you define meekness for us, Father? 
Meekness is a simplicity of heart. It's a gentleness. It's, I also believe, a confidence in not my own strength, but the Lord's. So I don't need to have any swagger or bluster. Uh, I don't need to come uh, with a puffed up chest. I can come with an open heart because I know to whom I belong. Hmm. Yeah. And so when we're practicing meekness, let's just take a very kind of real life situation. I don't know how common it may be, but uh, a real life situation where someone does strike us physically and, uh, and because of, I don't, who knows why, but, um, in that, the practice of meekness would suggest what then? Not not entering into the physical fray, um, but even more than that, I think, in some ways, Father, right? Yeah, it's it's a submission uh, and, and that gentleness and that ease and saying, look, I, I, my, my instinct, my nature would be to pummel you back, but uh, turning the other cheek doesn't mean that I have to lean in and get another one, but... I can remove myself from the situation. And I, I think that's the prudence of the meek person. They recognize that they are already blessed, mm-hmm. that they are already Christ's. And so then, okay, if, if that's the situation where you're continuing to be oppressed, well then, all right, very prudently and practically, remove yourself from that situation. Uh, or if you're not, uh, to hearken to yesterday's gospel, uh, then to seek some sort of justice and, and, and get some help. Because yeah. I think they're sometimes Im- implying here people think that they just have to take it. Uh, Jesus is advocating a nonviolent answer, but he also wants us to see that uh, we don't have to uh, just stand there and um, be oppressed as well. Right, right. Our spiritual director today, Father Brian Fallon from the Archdiocese of St. Louis, and we're grateful that he's here with us talking about loving your enemies. What does it mean to love your enemies? How in life maybe you have learned to love someone who was difficult to love, maybe who's someone who's wronged you? Um, How have you taken up this teaching of Jesus, and how have you seen that bear fruit in your life? Maybe you have a question about specifically you're in a situation right now where you have a very obvious enemy who's... uh, perpetrating some sort of injustice against you, and you're wondering, how do I love in this situation? Give us a call. Join the conversation. That's why we're here. Our number here on The Inner Life is 888-914-9149. Again, 888-914-9149. You can also send us an email as well, innerlife at relevantradio.com. Well, Father, you you brought up the idea of justice, and of course that ties into everything here, and and perhaps this kind of you know this urge, this intuition to strike back is um, is what we see maybe a, a I suppose a misunderstanding of how justice is actually meted out. But when we are in that position, refraining from entering back into you know uh, returning uh, like for like, as it were. Um, in those types of situations, that doesn't mean that justice will not be served, correct? Correct. Even if we are not the ones to see that justice served, uh, we know the one who will serve it. And not mm-hmm. that uh, not that we're looking for, uh, as the Bible says, vengeance is mine, says the Lord, to be right. uh, the recipe of the day. But uh, we know that uh, Jesus will bring these things into understanding in his good time and mm-hmm. um and that's where i think a heaven mindset uh is is a lot more important to live out of uh than the immediacy of now um because if we're focused on heaven uh then jesus is going to take care of these things 
Uh, he mm-hmm. tells us, fear not, I have already conquered the world. Hmm. Yeah, well, I mean, this is obviously it's calling for a major shift of attitude here that we need to we need to move from um, the, just the kind of human way that we think about things, eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth, and that sort of thing. And then we need to move into an idea that, um, yep, we are to act as Jesus himself has acted most, again, most uh, obviously through his giving of his own life on the cross for us, submitting to his enemies in that way. But look at the amazing justice that's come from that. Father, as we continue to make our way through um, this, these 11 verses or so here in the Gospel of Matthew and the Sermon on the Mount, um, he follows this, he, he throws in there, if anyone wants to go to law with you over your tunic, hand him your cloak as well. And if, uh, I mean, if anyone, should anyone press you into service for one mile, go with him for two miles. So there's almost this, um, yeah, meekness, I suppose, what Jesus is teaching is that meekness actually responds in, uh, I I guess the word that's coming to mind is a creative fashion, in a creative way of addressing this, that, you know, you're going to get, as much as you might push push for, you know, some sort of violence or hatred or evil from me, what you're going to get is love. And that seems to me to be pretty characteristic of God himself. It is. And what Jesus is saying just had to sound insane to people because right. uh, even the poorest people would have an extra tunic. Uh, but a cloak, uh, that was essentially your bedding. You know, So I mm-hmm. might give you a t-shirt, but if I'm going to give you my bed, <laughs> like I need some place to sleep. So what what the Lord is inviting us to do, if we're talking in, in the practical of today, is to say that I am able to give with a generous heart because I believe that the true generous heart will provide for me. Mm-hmm. And if it goes towards forgiveness or charity, even in the face of enemies or opposition or even just the simple slights that we see day by day, can I trust that the one who has a generous heart is going to provide me another cloak uh, or is going to provide me uh, another tunic, even if I have that sense of offering it up and it's so difficult to do so? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And this also brings up another idea too, like what you're saying is that there's something about um, there's something about even physical possessions. And I know, for instance, um, there was a time not just a few years back when I had come out to go to work in the morning and I had come to my vehicle and noticed that it had been it'd been broken into and and rifled through there was i mean the the it was a mess um inside and uh, I couldn't really tell if anything particularly of value but you know there was a sense of violation there that something that had someone had had intruded on my things however um, there must be something, and that I mean that raises a lot of these same feelings of uh, I want I want justice, or if not justice, like you said, at least vengeance in in some ways. But there's a sense of detachment, specifically when we're talking about things like tunics and cloaks here, um, or vehicles for that matter. That um, there's a sense of detachment, at least in the face in in these particular situations, that is necessary as well. Yeah, I'm I'm with you, especially around the burglary at yeah. <laughs> New Year's Day. I in the rectory, uh, there was a unwelcomed guest, and uh, oh, no. had to, yeah, had to make sure that he found his way to the door. But 
after the fact, yeah, it was a petty theft, but just the the sense of violation. Uh, I think Jesus, when he enters into our humanity, uh, wants us to understand that he suffers all things with us. Mm -hmm. And so whether it's a car break in or whether it's something far greater, you know, especially an injury to self, some sort of violence uh, that many people uh, have experienced throughout the world, Jesus is helping us to believe in faith that he's with us in that. And not to say offer it up or let it go, or it didn't matter. That's not what Jesus is saying. He's saying, I am with you in this. This mm. is a crucifixion. This is a violation of my beloved. And I want you to know that, well, let's just acknowledge it for what it is. But I don't want the retaliation uh, to do to be the thing that's done, because that's what the enemy wants. He wants yeah. to continue to foster that hate in the world. Yeah. Oh, man. It's deep stuff and it's hard stuff, but that's uh, that doesn't mean we're not going to talk about it here on The Inner Life. We're talking about loving your enemies and offering offering forgiveness, offering uh, the love of Christ in response. And uh, where is the power in that? Well, uh, we're continuing to explore that here on the show. If you have particular ways in which you have seen fruit in uh, borne out in your life by, by loving, showing love to an enemy in a particular way, we'd love to hear what that was and hear some stories that way as well. Or if you have a question about something, some situation that you're facing right now about how do I love in this particular in this particular circumstance, this particular instance, give us a call. Our phone number here in the inner life is 888-914-9149, 914 We're going to be back with more of the inner life right after this short break. Stay with us. Our sponsor, the University of Dallas, invites you to check out The Quest, a five-episode video series on discovering our purpose and living it with courage. Start watching The Quest for free at relevantradio.com slash quest. Welcome back to The Inner Life. You're on Relevant Radio, relevantradio.com, and the Relevant Radio app. Don't forget to sign up to receive the Saints podcast coming your way. Just really riveting, life-changing stories. Uh, life, the first episode is out today. Life-changing stories of the Saints presented to you from the Merry Beggars. You just need to go to thesaintspodcast.com and you can sign up to receive those emails daily in your inbox. Um, little audio snippets as they take us through the stories of some pretty profound Saints. So sign that up. Um, all right, so let's. Uh, we're talking about loving your enemies here on the program with our spiritual director, Father Brian Fallon, and uh, well, let's go to the phones. We've got Eileen calling in from Bakersfield, California. Eileen, good morning. Welcome to the Inner Life. Good morning. Good morning. Um, I just had a comment on on the loving your enemies. I just want to say, like, sometimes, like mine is my husband, and it hurts for me to have to say that my enemy is my husband, but at the time, um, he. Um, had an affair and forgiveness was such a hard hard road to go down and each each day is a struggle but i know that i must forgive because of what jesus taught us and because of what god has has given up for us his son so i know this but my comment is that struggle each and every day is there any additional prayers any addition that can help you with the struggle the triggers that it takes 
because I chose to forgive my husband. I chose to to take him back and go forward in life because I know that that's what that's what God wanted is for marriages to work. And I don't know why or, or what excuses I could make for him, but I do know I love him and I do know I love Jesus. And I do know that marriage is, is so sacred to me. So it's hard. I just wanted to comment, like, it's hard. Like sometimes when your enemy, like you said before, is your family or the people that you really love and they hurt you and you, and you have to choose to forgive them, the forgiving and moving forward is just so difficult sometimes and it triggers and, and every day you have to tell yourself why you're choosing to forgive them and go on. And, and, I, and I feel like I'm not the only one in this world that goes through this struggle, but it is a struggle. And if the light at the end of the tunnel is, is Jesus and, and being in heaven and knowing that I did everything I could, you know, to protect my marriage, then I pray for all the people around the world who go through the same thing and to go through these daily struggles and to make it through. Thank you so much for sharing that. I, I think, yes, you're right that there are a lot of people that are going through this. You're not the only one, uh, whether it be... Uh, a grievance against a spouse, a, a real violation of, of trust and love, or even just a, a greater sense of how do I, uh, meaning greater that more people are involved in, in just the real struggle of what it is to forgive someone. Um, my advice to you about a, a prayer uh, isn't necessarily one that you'd find on a card, but just very simply, uh, Jesus, can you teach me how to forgive? Because I think sometimes we feel like the onus is on us. I have to do this. I, I think it's too much for us to be able to forgive on our own. And so if, Jesus, you can teach me how to do this, uh, then maybe I can do it today. You know, the, the Our Father, uh, give us this day our daily bread as we forgive those who trespass against us. It, I, I, can't, I can't do it forever, but maybe, Lord, I can forgive today uh, so where I can be a good spouse or I can be a good relative or co-worker or, or whatever the grievance is. Uh, over the break, we also heard a great advertisement from uh, the relevant radio that mentioned a man who went on Retrovi, which is a great way to be able to go on retreat uh, to help heal a marriage. So helpourmarriage.org is, is a great resource for anyone who's really struggling with, with their spouse and forgiveness. Yeah, very good. Eileen, our hearts are broken with yours, and if ours are, I'm sure that our Lord's are as well. So thank you for calling. Thank you for sharing that and being vulnerable uh, with us. And, and you're right. You're not the only one who's going through this. And yeah, obviously, Father Jesus himself knew what it was to have someone very, very close to him betray him in such a way. Um and it's uh, and and if uh, he has walked that road, then I'm sure he's with each and every one of us who um, have been betrayed, been betrayed in some way, shape, or form. Amen. And, w and what does he say on the cross? He says, "Forgive them, Father. They know not what they do." Right. Uh, he's he's merciful to us, even though sometimes when we sin, we know full well what we're doing. We we know when we're hurting someone, uh, but is that born out of some other hurt uh, that's unresolved? Uh, so Jesus gives us a lot of mercy and, and wants us to be able to do the same thing when we're on the cross. Definitely not easy. Mm, not easy at all. But 
Oh, man. Well, I, I again, prayers are with you, Eileen. Thank you for the call, and thank you for um, letting us know that. And one of the things, Father, I think that uh, and you said a couple of really profound things there. One of them, asking the Lord to teach us how to forgive, to teach us how to love our enemies, and that, that, that it's not all incumbent upon just the strength that we can muster our alone. Um, so any, I mean, any further thoughts on that, Father? I mean, how do we, how do we invoke uh, the Lord's love, the Lord's uh, love for enemies and the Lord's forgiveness in our own lives? Yeah, I mean, to be honest, I have no idea how to do that. Mm. <laughs> so, uh, I mean, I do, I do on some level, but the, you know, th- those are things that have happened in the past. And in the moment when those things were happening, uh, I was just so consumed by them. Yeah. And I think it's natural for us to feel aggrieved and to just want to protect. Because if I learn how to forgive, part of that means I'm opening up that hurt and I'm letting someone else into it. Mm. So my encouragement would be that if we believe Jesus is who he says that he is, if we believe that he's our savior and that he died, he suffered with us and rose, then maybe we can let the divine physician into that hurt. Uh, instead of just moving on from it, which I think is a natural tendency too, uh, no, maybe we let him open up that place and, and and be with us in it so that he can heal it so that we don't end up hurting other people from that hurt. Yeah, yeah, it's a good point. And then another thing, Father, that you said in response to Eileen's um, vulnerable call was that uh, the strength just for today and, and maybe even less, you know, maybe it's just for this hour, for this moment, Lord, help me, help me to forgive, help me to love, uh, love my enemy. And I, and I think that that's a, that's an excellent piece of advice too, that it's, uh, it's just the walking the next few steps, right? Yeah. If only for today is a beautiful prayer uh, by Pope St. John the 23rd. And it puts things in perspective for me, Uh, He says, surely I can endure something for 12 hours as opposed to the rest of my life. I thought, okay, I should go to bed earlier then. Uh, (laughs) Good point. But but recognizing that I I don't have to do it alone. And that as I look on the cross and I reflect on the mercy that I've received from Jesus, uh, that that's something that he wants to show me how to give to other people as a sign of his visible love in the world just for today. Yeah. Well, again, Eileen, thank you so much for the call. Our prayers are with you. And uh, don't don't uh, hesitate to call in to uh, the Chaplet of Divine Mercy. You know, uh, as Drew is praying that every day at 3 o'clock, 3 o'clock Central, says 1 o'clock Pacific, um, please feel free to call in and ask for help there from the Lord as well. Uh, it's a great place to look because Jesus is always abundant in his divine mercy. We've seen that time and again in the Chaplet. So um, feel free to call in for that as well. And excuse me, sticking on the family theme for just a moment, Father, we had Anthony call in with a specific off-air question as well. And he was asking, how do I balance protecting my children and my family with loving my enemies? Um, Any thoughts on something like that? Yeah, I wish we could have all the mother bears answer that for us. Mm, because Yeah, good one. I, uh, I can only speak from... Well, I can speak from other ends, but as a as a spiritual father, uh, there have been times in my parish or in different communities that I've served uh, where there were people that were uh, trying to disrupt or distract 
or, or individuals in communities that were trying to take us away from uh, where we were going and just feeling my anger flare up in that moment, that's a righteous anger. And so I think we can do two things. One, we can teach this gospel message, uh, but we can also do the justice of standing in front of and protecting our kids. So if your kid's getting bullied, for instance, right. you know, okay, turn the other cheek. Yes, for sure. But do the teachers know about it? Uh, does the other parent know about it? You know, if it's risen to a level that this is causing great harm and distress, you don't just have to deal with it or get over it. Right. Uh, I think this is where justice comes in mind, too. I think Jesus would be flipping some tables mm -hmm. uh, in some of these instances as well. Yeah. And that, again, to go back to uh, uh, something that you've already said, Father, but uh that when we when we say that we're loving our enemies, that does not mean that we ignore the wrong that's been done to us, or that we somehow did, you know diminish it to something that's negligible or insignificant or something like that. But rather that we we acknowledge it for what it is, and uh, we act out of the love that Christ Himself has modeled for us. Right. Exactly. Jesus says, "Blessed are the peacemakers, not blessed are the pushovers." Hmm. Oh, so to, to live in that <laughs> yeah. prudence in, in how we live and act. Uh, and sometimes the Lord is requiring us to act uh, for the sake of others. So, and, and maybe that other person is ourselves. Maybe we do need to stick up for ourselves, but we don't need to do it in a violent, retaliative way. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And, and two, I think one of the things, too, is that we feel like, in, in a sense, we are, we are abandoning uh, some of our own power, at least, when we, when we choose to act out of, out of meekness, out of uh, a love for our enemies and things like that. Um, but really, one of the, I guess one of the Old Testament um, stories that's coming to mind is the Battle of Jericho. I mean, um, just that, right that there's, there's enemies of the nation of Israel, and yet... Um, the battle was clearly the Lord's all the way through and through, and uh, they didn't even need to unsheathe their swords, right? Amen. Yeah, just the notice of, of that image as they take Jericho, uh, what did they have to do uh, to be able to receive what the Lord wanted to give them? They had to march around for seven days. Yeah. Uh, and so that, that sense in our lives, okay, we might be marching around an issue seeking justice, and we don't need to use that violence, but it might require a long time, uh, mm. especially healing from hurts or especially resolution to uh, injustices that we see other people facing. Yeah. Keep marching is, I think, what the Lord wants of us. Um, two things that I, I'd like to ask about, Father, in terms of practical things we can do when we're, like Eileen, you know, we're faced with these um, pretty hurtful situations where we're just struggling to do what Jesus has asked us to do and who he's commanded us to do in loving our enemies. Um, maybe speak a little bit on the role of prayer, number one. We did talk about that a little bit, but um, the, what does prayer do for us in those situations? And two, maybe the role of the community, the Christian community, the body of Christ as well, in terms of helping us to carry out love for enemies. That's great. Yeah, I, I think we've been talking about the Beatitudes throughout uh, this hour, and, and I think Matthew five eleven is one of the most powerful of the Beatitudes for me because it's just a recognition. Jesus says, blessed are you when they insult you and persecute you and utter every kind of evil against you falsely because of me. Mm -hmm. Rejoice and be glad. Your reward will be great in heaven. 
Uh, and, and I think that's the secret, is that as I'm enduring these things, do I believe that my reward will be great in heaven? And we think about all the martyrs. Uh, we think about all of those falsely accused or condemned. And we think about those who've been victims of great hardships. They, in Christ's name, have gone before us. And, and I think the saints especially can teach us how to be able to endure the daily afflictions that mm-hmm. are going to make us look more and more like Christ. And, and, and so in that way, uh, recognizing the, the blessing uh, in the midst of the real brutal uh, part of, of learning how to forgive. Uh, I'm becoming more like Jesus. Jesus, can you teach me how to do this today? As far as the role of the community goes, as we're the body of Christ, we need to look out for each other. And yeah. so if there are people that are going through hardships, yeah, how do we advocate for them, even if we don't know them? Uh, but especially taking care of our, our families or our neighborhood or uh, our parishes. And then doing that, I think maybe sometimes, and this is a vulnerable place too, am I able to share what I'm going through with another person? Mm-hmm. You know, how, what, how are you doing? Oh, I'm fine. What if you actually shared... Uh, that place of unforgiveness in your heart. And maybe that person, just another brother and sister in Christ Jesus, to be able to say, that sounds really hard. Can we pray together? I I think joining in faith together is going to be a much better way instead of just ruminating about it by ourselves. Bearing one another's burdens is another thing that we've been uh, we've been told to do by the Lord, and certainly as we are seeking to love our enemies and offer forgiveness to those who have wronged us, I mean that's a that's a huge ask, and uh, it's not entered into well alone. Um, that can set us up for failure, I think. So thank you for that, Father Fallon. We are talking with our spiritual director, Father Brian Fallon, about loving our enemies. So if you have a specific way in which you have shown love to an enemy and seen fruit born in your own spiritual life, give us a call. We'd love to hear from you, 888-914-9149. Or perhaps, again, you're facing a situation right now where there's a very obvious enemy who has done you some wrong, and you're wondering, how do I respond in love to this situation? Again, ask your question of our spiritual director, Father Brian Fallon, by calling 888-914-9149, or send us an email. Our email address is innerlife@relevantradio.com. We got more to come on the inner life, which we'll take up right after this short break. We'll be back right after this. Our sponsor, the University of Dallas, invites you to check out The Quest, a five-episode video series on discovering our purpose and living it with courage. Start watching The Quest for free at relevantradio.com quest. Welcome back to The Inner Life here on Relevant Radio. My name is Patrick Conley. My thanks to Nick Sentovich, our producer, and Thomas Angusser, who's taking your phone calls today, as, long, as well as with our spiritual director, Father Brian Fallon, a priest in the Archdiocese of St. Louis, serving there at Washington U. And we are grateful for his uh, advice and his wisdom here on the show today as we are talking about loving your enemies. And uh, now, Father, I, I think... A lot of times when we're talking about the roles of the body of Christ and bearing one another's burdens, which is what kind of where we, lay, we left off there before the break, um, 
I, I guess the word that springs to mind is compassion, um, having compassion on those who are, you know, have been wronged in some way, shape or form. Can you tell us a little bit more about compassion? The word compassion means to suffer with. And I think that's what we need to remember as we're experiencing these hardships or if we're having some opposition in life uh, is that it's a suffering. It is one that we know that we're going to have in this fallen world. But if we're joining together as a community and we're showing compassion to others, our neighbors, our brothers and sisters, our family, uh, it means we're, we're suffering with them. Mm-hmm. And how we do that is really up to the Lord to show us. Maybe it just means acknowledging it, but maybe sometimes we're in it for the longer haul. Uh, mm-hmm. Gosh, if you know of someone who's going through a hard time, uh, instead of just saying, oh, if there's anything I can do, maybe we're called to do something in that instance. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's and the long haul is something too that I think um, we need to be honest about too. And loving our enemies is not something that just passes quickly, right? I mean, most most times, many times, does not pass quickly that way anyway. Especially when it involves a, a person who is a member of our family. And and two, I think with that, Father, I mean, we're not we're not suggesting that loving our enemies, especially if it's some sort of an abusive situation, is it's necessary that we continue to submit ourselves to that abuse. That's a great point. I I really do think there are times where well-intended Christians will say, turn the other cheek, and what we hear is, I have to take it because if I don't, I'm a bad Christian. And that's not true. So if there's a continual assault and affront, uh, especially if it's a domestic situation or if it's a workplace violation, we have to take care of ourselves and we have to, instead of retaliating with violence, how do we remove ourselves from this situation? How do we report it to the proper authorities or superiors? And in doing so, that's actually serving Christ. It's not going against what he said in the gospel. Right, right. And, of course, taking ourselves into a situation where um, perhaps we are at this pa- at this place where we're removing ourselves from a situation, like you said, either in the home or in the workplace or wherever it may be, um, there's something that we need to turn to, though, though as well. I mean, we, we got an email from an anonymous listener in also in California who said, like Eileen, that uh, uh, her husband is also... Uh, has become an enemy. Um, but what she says is that it helps tremendously to receive Holy Communion as often as possible, daily if possible, um, and that it gives comfort, joy, and strength. So um, immersing ourselves in the sacraments, in, in the life that's offered to us through those sacraments can be incredibly helpful when we're endeavoring to do something as difficult as loving our enemies, yeah? <laughs> the beautiful, transformative power of the sacraments. Right. Yeah. And yeah. even... Uh, as we receive that da- what that daily bread, uh, which becomes God, uh, and that nourishment, a wonderful strength. The sacrament of reconciliation, oh, it's hard to say this, but sometimes acknowledging our own sinfulness, uh, our own lack of forgiveness, uh, those ways in which we've thought or said or, or done things to our enemies. Uh, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Uh, it, it, if it starts with me, uh, as the song goes, let there be peace on earth uh, and let it begin with me, uh, then maybe the Lord can use that grace in our own lives uh, to continue to foster it in other people. Mm. 
Yeah, I think that's a that's an excellent point too. And I I've done a little bit of reading ahead, and I think we're going to be hit with that this Sunday, if I'm not mistaken, where we have um, the parable of the the servant who owed his master a, a huge sum and was forgiven that, but then turned around and and didn't uh, didn't have compassion, um, have mercy on the one who over, owed him just so much li- more, so much less. And so, yeah, it, it, it always speaks to me about uh, acknowledging how much we have been forgiven as well so that we might be able to perhaps let the mercy and compassion of God overflow out of our lives, even to our enemies. And Father, I, um, as I'm thinking about um, specifically that and, and how we're to, how do we turn in that way and acknowledge the, the ways in which we have been hurt, um, but then again, um, to offer that forgiveness to to love, etc. Um, is there a ways that we should be mindful of? Um, I, I suppose I could call it it's kind of an unconscious hatred of those who are enemy. Just be sure that we're not harboring these feelings of ill will, even if it, even in the face of not forgetting about the injustice that was done. But how do we maintain an attitude of of love, not necessarily the feeling of love, but the love, genuine, authentic love towards our enemies in those situations. Yeah, I have a story uh, to share as a part of that. There was a company that was housed in one of the towers on September 11th Mm. uh, that lost many of its employees. And an organization was set up by some of the members that uh, weren't in the building or that survived and got out to make sure that all the kids of the employees that were killed uh, had free college tuition uh, and made sure that they were able to uh, go through. And some of the kids are still in college now. Uh, And one of the founders of this organization said, as these kids are going to Notre Dame and Stanford and some Harvard and Yale, uh, that in in the middle of all of this, the, the ones that did this terrible deed would not like the, the fact that these kids get free college, uh, wouldn't not like the fact that they didn't just fold up uh, and say, uncle, we surrender. So sometimes in, in saying, and yet, or as Maya Angelou says, and still I rise, uh, is, is so Christ-like. Uh, and if you want to stick it to the enemy, uh, bring more goodness into the world, and not in a vengeance way, but just out of the fact that we have such great gifts from the Lord. How do we you know, do those things in spite of how we've been afflicted? And I thought that was just a great uh, way, especially on this day, uh, to be able to honor those who were so violently taken from this earth. Right, right. And in a sense, I mean, I, I, I have, I'm a little bit hesitant to bring it up, but because we're not about, you know, vengeance is mine, like you said, and, and, you know, that's not the thing, but, um, but still in, for instance, Proverbs 25, if your enemy is hungry, give him food to eat. If he's thirsty, give him water to drink. And in doing this, you will heap burning coals on his head and the Lord will reward you. So, I mean, it's not that we're doing this so that ultimately there's, you know, there's punishment on, on those, but rather that they might have a change of heart. Yeah. Yeah. And because if I'm able to do this uh, great goodness, uh, the enemy doesn't like it. Uh, and I'm talking about the evil one, the devil yeah, right. in this yeah. moment, because any of these hardships that we're facing, any of this oppression it's not of God, it's evil. And so if I'm 
turning in, in, in another way, turning the other cheek and providing goodness instead of hatred, that is heaping burning hot coals upon the enemy and, and his plan. Right. Uh, so I, I don't think in that way that it's a, it's a bad way because it's not an actual violence. It's not literal hot coals. Um, but it is using the resources that the Lord has given to us. And I think that's the hope of the resurrection right there. Amen. Amen. Always, always a good thing to be looking to in the midst of our daily trials, which can be profound, right? You mentioned in your story there, which is a great story, like you said, Father, but um, you mentioned children specifically. Any ideas on how to teach our kids specifically about turning the other cheek and about loving our enemies? Yeah, I think... uh, (laughs) just to go back to uh, what it was to be little kids and how hard it was for me to say I was sorry uh, when I had hurt my sibling, uh, my wonderful sister. Uh, As as sometimes if we can, as kids grow up, recognize how hard it is to say we're sorry uh, and then give us a hug. Uh, But then also as we grow up, maybe we say we're sorry, but we're really not. We know that's Mm -hmm. what we're supposed to say. So can you teach children very intentionally to say they're sorry and mean it? I have a married couple uh, friends who, they, when they uh, offend one another or do something wrong, uh, the other one, when they say, I'm sorry, uh, the, the one who's been harmed needs to say in their relationship, I forgive you. Mm, yeah. and, and just how hard that is. So if we can teach our, our young people, or especially our families, to say, I forgive you, uh, there is such a release in that because I'm not holding on to that hurt anymore. I'm giving it uh, to the Lord. Right, so I, right. I think the, just little things that we can teach our kids and, and we can teach uh, those around us uh, that can go a long way. Yeah, and it's all aimed at just in the couple seconds we have here before we ask for your blessing, Father. But, uh, I mean, Jesus wraps up this whole teaching with, so be perfect just as your Heavenly Father is perfect. I mean, it's, literally, this is moving us toward a, a perfection of love. And, I mean, that's ultimately what Jesus wants for us, right? Because it's the best for us. Right. He's the perfect one who's bringing us into his perfection. You don't have to have this all together now. Uh, but that perfection word means completion. So let me complete it with you, God saying. Let me be the one to accompany you in this act of forgiveness. Oh, that's quite the promise. Great discussion today, Father. Thank you for being with us as our spiritual director on loving your enemies. If we could have a blessing from you, please, as we close the show. The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. May Almighty God, the Father, bless you, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, with his forgiving and merciful heart. Amen. Amen. Father Brian Fallon has been our spiritual director today in our conversation about loving our enemies. Not an easy thing to do, one that our Lord demands of us, though. So how do we do it? If you missed any part of the show and want to hear some of the great advice that we received, go back to relevantradio.com slash innerlife and listen again and share it with others who may need to hear this life-giving message. Coming up next is the Holy Sacrifice of the Mass with our celebrant Father Matt Seminar. Tomorrow, we're finding authentic friendship and fraternity from our spiritual director, Father Bobby Blood. Until then, grace and peace.